What's up, everybody? It's episode 54, Brian Erlacher. Episode of Lost in the Shuffle. It's me, Peter, and my buddy, John Lelogia, with another episode of Lost in the Shuffle. What up? Brian Erlacher. Dude, overrated. Not overrated at all. Unless you're a Bears fan and you think he, like, walked on water. Like, over. Um, who has the most overrated. tackles of all time for the Chicago Bears? Ugh. God. Over. I believe he has the most tackles all time. Yeah, but I mean, he was good. But God, people, people like go nuts over him. He was not that fast. No, he's not. Yeah. Why can't I find this? Why? I think he's a it? mediocre linebacker. Um, I mean, you can't say if he's in the Hall of Fame, right? Who was better in their prime, Ooh, Mike Clay Matthews, Singletary. Clay Mike Matthews Singletary. or Brian Urlacher? I'm gonna go with Clay Matthews. Get oh my god, dude! This is Clay Matthews terrible. from like 09, 10 to like fourteen, fifteen was a monster, a monster. Okay, was, so a five year span we're we're looking at instead of an entire career. Yeah, I mean, definitely longevity is on Erlacher's side, but dude, Clay was a beast. Oh my long hair! Please don't pull it, Daddy. Anyway, John, it's Tuesday. We are uh, recording our episode as always. How was uh, your weekend? Uh, it was good. Good. Uh, boring. Classic dad weekend. Took the the son in the stroller. Got a little. Got some coffee. Got a little uh, pastry in uh, the the north side of Chicago. Uh, enjoying the Ooh, remaining nice. weeks I have here until I move out to the burbs. So, it uh, it was pretty. Uh, your classic dad weekend. What about you? You were you your new you were, balances on. My white New Balances, yes, with yeah. thick, uh, several thick pairs of white socks, um, and I heard uh, you were you were mad about town. I was on a Thursday. On Thursday, a, an assignment. Yes, I was on assignment on Thursday. I went to. I took a train into New York, concrete jungle where it smells like shit. The rats are as big as cats. It's disgusting there, John. I've been there. It's pretty gross. It's well, the thing is, is they they don't have alleys. Cool so, to visit. So New York City, so Chicago, but because of the great Chicago fire, they had to create alleyways where yeah. where we have garbage cans and dumpsters oh, and where people throw garbage. garbage but in, in New York City, they don't. They didn't have a great fire, so literally they have to put trash like out front on the street. Yep, and you have to smell it as you walk by. And there's rats, and it smells like death. Yeah, huge fucking rats. So fun place to visit. I uh, would never want to live there. Uh, a lot of, you know, debauchery and crazy stuff. You could do whatever you want to there. Uh, you know, ah! scream in the middle of the street, and nobody would fucking look at you because that's probably the most normal thing they've seen all day. You know? Oh yeah, pretty much. Nothing fit like nothing could face a New Yorker. They're like, I see that shit four times a day on like a a Monday. Uh, right. Also, to your point, too, like I could never live there. Like, <clears throat> let's just point out that if you have the money, if you have the means, then you, of course, you could live there. You know what I mean? Like, I say that all the time of like, well, oh, financially, it doesn't make sense. Well, you know what? Like, because we were going to live in Southern California, we moved back to Chicago. But if you have the money, everything makes sense because you can just make your lifestyle. You don't have to deal with all that bullshit. Yeah, well, we were with um, the CEO or the, uh, the CFO, and he lived right down the street from, like, the hotel that I was staying at. 
I don't care. How, I mean, even if I had all the money, I don't want to live in New York. I don't want to live in a, in like a high rise. I want to live on ground level, have my own space. I mean, but that's just me. Like, I don't care. Even if I could afford New York, like I don't want to live there. I don't. Oh, you went on mute, John. Got a little too excited. Nope, still on mute. Can you hear me now? There we go. Yeah. I would totally live in New York if I had the money to do it. 100%. Live in a sweet penthouse in Manhattan and have a chauffeur and really wouldn't have to deal um, with any of the regular people who take the subway. But if I couldn't do that, I agree with you. I wouldn't live there. You're dealing with traffic. You're dealing with trash. You're dealing with the people. The people there are gross, too. Let's be honest. Call a spade a spade. The people there are fucking gross. People are gross in every massive metropolitan city sure sure chicago too yeah absolutely that's why i don't want to live there that's exactly why you're moving out you're raising a young boy you're not going to live in the city with the little kid like that you're going to the suburbs right and you're not going because oh the views are terrible and i can't afford it you're going because there's fucking whack jobs everywhere it will it will be nice to have some space my god like my son's i'm like my foot is rolling on my son's like like inflatable basketball right now because yes. we're clearly running out of space. Uh, we had a baseball party for him. His big league chew, you can see over my left shoulder. So there it is anyone shout out to big league chew. And if you want to sponsor this podcast, um, if the price is right, I'll think about it. Feel free. Um, yeah, John. So I was there, we was there for the um, NBA draft, which is incredible. Again, this should be noted. When you're working for a company a month on the job, they usually don't send you immediately to uh, the NBA draft um, and game four of the NBA finals. These are just unusual things that are happening to you. And uh, and frankly, you're kind of playing it off like it's no big deal. For the first fact that I don't care about basketball. That's true. That's why I'm like, yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, I love to travel. It's fun. It was very cool and, you know, very honored to do something like that. And I get to be goofy and like, you know, do my man on the street stuff. But yeah, it's basketball. I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. And you're at the draft and, you know, we were sitting there and it's like first pick. And it was like, whatever the guy's name was, Pashude. And everyone's like, yeah. And then it's like, all right, now you got to wait another seven minutes. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to the bar because this is fucking boring. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, if you're not into it, it's like you literally sit there and they're just. But anyway, we got, John, we snuck into the green room. We snuck into um, the basement where, like, all the players were waiting. So our whole thing was we went with this kid. He's 6'9". We all wore suits. Um, and we made it people believe that he was getting drafted that night. So we were walking around, you know, he's six, nine, my whole thing, dude, I swear I could be an actor, dude. And I, I know you think the same thing too. We both are like, we could be actors. Cause that's what we would want to do. Right. We would want to be an actor. So the whole time I'm like, you need to act like a first round draft pick and I'm going to treat you like a first round draft pick. So the, Johnny, you're on mute again. God damn it. So this is like a scam, right? Yeah. You're just trying. Okay. I saw the same thing on Twitter with Clay, like a fake Clay Thompson. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. That he was like dog, got, he got, got in Chase Arena and was like yep. taking pictures with people. And then someone was like, hey, you 
you need to go. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. But he like had, I think he had like walked around taking pictures. I think Took shot around shot. a little bit on the court, which was hilarious. Yeah. So we you're get tall, though. Just like, yeah, it checks out. Exactly. You just have to be confident. And I had my hand on his back the whole time. And I'm using the other hand to kind of like swap people away. And so we get there and there's like the big NBA draft thing. And, you know, I'm like, Christian, we're, we're taking a picture. We cut every line, John. I made sure. No, we're not waiting in line. He's got to be inside in 10 minutes. We have to go. Were we you saying that? Line. Yes. That's 100%. Amazing. That's and I amazing. can't wait for this content to come out because it's going to be hilarious. Because I was going to be like, what? where is this? Like, I desperately want to see it because I've watched your stuff and I didn't see any of that. Yeah. They're still editing it. I'm like, give it to me. I'll fucking edit it. Okay, so first we're out front, right? We're out front in front of the big NBA draft, and we're I'm cutting everyone's like, we need to get him in front. All the little kids. Oh my god, can I take a picture? They all take a picture with him, right? Blah blah blah. We're by the big thing. We take pictures over there. Worst case scenario happens right there. Lady comes up to us. Hi, hi. We're with fallen soldiers. Um, these children have lost their mo- mother and father. Can he please take a picture oh with my you? God. Oh. My God, dude. Hey, here's this fake NBA player and this fake agent. <laughs> you can't, first off, you can't say no. Oh, you're you're an asshole, right? Can't be like, nope, nope, sorry. That's going to be terrible asshole. when they find out that you guys are frauds. The, the other thing is you say mm-hmm. yes, and then they find out you're a fucking fraud. You're a nobody. It was like. Pl- and you played, you, you played on the heartstrings of these unbelievably vulnerable, vulnerable people. <laughs> My God. It was like a movie, John, where you're just like, oh, my God, we're going to hell. We are going to hell. Worst case scenario, we're with fallen soldiers. Can you please take a picture with the children? And I'm just like, oh, my God. So he took it. I'm like, all right, Christian, we got to go. So so are these children, their their parents were lost at at war in the armed forces? Oh, my God, dude. (laughs) Worst case scenario. I mean, it's like, yeah. Oh, man. That's terrible. It was bad. I felt really Ugh. bad, dishonest, gross. So we got out of there quick. I was like, Christian, we got to go. Come on. You got shamed. You, you yeah. get shamed oh. by fallen soldiers. Be like, all right, I think we're, uh, I think we're pretty big assholes here. And so then we, then we're going inside. There's a big line for security. We're not waiting, right? Because he's a first round draft pick, and I'm his best friend slash agent, whatever. And then you run into the Make a Wish Foundation. They're like, hey, we're terminally ill. Can you, yeah. can you sign up? Scott's were there as well. <laughs> By the way, um, who are you and what team do you play for? Yeah. So, yeah, his whole backstory, he's the – I was like, you remember the the Greek freak? Well, this is the freak from Paris. We're saying he's from so, Paris. Yeah, some obscure country that no one's going to be able to cross-reference. Yeah. Exactly. You see where Did I'm you have a name? Did you have a name for him? Yeah, Christian Henry. Henri. <laughs> yeah. John, we did our fuck our homework, dude. It Christian, was like, Christian Henri? Henry, yes, but yes. Yeah. Um. So then we're like in line. I'm like, we can't wait. He needs to be in the green room in 10 minutes. So we start putting our stuff like inside, like the things to walk through the metal detector. This is like something I would do. So it makes total sense to me. Oh yeah. And then we cut through everybody and now we're inside, right? We already have tickets anyways to get inside. So it's not like we're seeking in, but to get to like the access area, like the important stuff, you need to have a lanyard. Everyone's got one of those big lanyards, right? That's the NBA finals around their neck. We don't have those. We don't have credentials or anything, but we have confidence. So I walk up to these ladies. They're standing in front of an elevator. This looks like a pretty prominent elevator. So I walk up to this lady, little short pudgy woman. I was like, excuse me, do you know where the green room is? Which elevator takes us downstairs? She was like, oh, I'll take you there. 
And I was like, okay. I'm like, let's go. We're going. So she's, we're weaving in between people going all the way. She's like, you know, I'm an actress and a singer. I was like, that's so great. You follow your dreams. You got a card? And she was like, no, I don't have a card. And then so we get over You're like, there. neither do I. Uh, we're yeah. both, uh, we're both lying here. And then we get in the elevator. There's people in there, uh, ESPN reporters. And we're just standing there. And we go all the way downstairs. And we're walking through. We got some video, um, like, behind the scenes area stuff. Go to the green room. There's food and drinks in there. I went and took a piss. They were in there for, like, four or five minutes. And then he came out and was like, bro, keep it moving. We got to go. Because I guess, like, I don't know, people were looking at him or something. Because we didn't have credentials on. So, Well, you mean people are looking at him? Like, no one knows who the fuck this guy is? Yeah, right. There's only like what 10, 20 guys, like main guys that are there, right? Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Dude, I saw I Dominic think, I think now every but here's the thing. That happened, I believe that happened after the Clay Thompson prank. Yeah. So now I feel like everyone saw that and everyone's gonna be on high alert because of that. Like I feel it, like that this is gonna be harder works. to do in the future. You can't yeah. just find a guy who's like six eight and walk just I mean they weren't on that high alert if if we got through everything. It just goes to show you, like, how apathetic those, like, security guards are. Like, they don't give a fuck. Well, if you look like you're supposed to be there and you act like you're supposed to be there. Also, too, some it's a stressful job because there's a lot of unwritten rules as a security guard because you could really piss off some people that de- that may not necessarily have credentials and they don't know who they are, but they're a huge fucking deal. And right. so you could get in trouble for that, too. So that's sure. why this little scam that you ran works is mm-hmm. because of like that doubt. They like, they have to be careful. Right. Am I going to turn down one of this kid, one of these guys that's going to get drafted today? Right. right. No, it looked Christian like Henri, Henri. Dude, a top 10 pick. And then after the draft, we went uh, to times square and he, he got a, uh, a Hornets hat. Like a, what are, what are Hornets? Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte Hornets. So he puts on his Charlotte Hornets hat. He's got his suit on. And we're like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, people do- like downtown, they're like, man, congratulations, man. We are rooting for you. Like, Christ. so excited. They're like, you're When the man. is this content going live? My God, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. So it's amazing. That trip. Yeah, that was the trip. Yeah, we successfully pulled off a good prank. So you grifted your way into the, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say you were sent there. I'm saying you were sent there or you just grifted your way in there. Yes, we weaseled our way downstairs Dude. where we shouldn't have been, but Dude, that's yeah. amazing, man. Yeah. I've done that, that my whole. I've, I've, I've done that. I've done that my whole life in most situations. I'm like, who do I need to be today to get right. what I want? Uh, I've done that so many times. I did that at Anderson's Bookshop so I could meet Sebastian Maniscalco. He's one of my favorite comedians. I did the same thing. I put on a suit. And I said I was from the Naperville Courier or Naperville Sun or Naperville something. Naperville Sun, dude. No, it was like a Naperville uh, Sun. Naperville. It's a Naperville Sun. That was our. That's our yeah, local paper. No, if it even still exists, I have no idea. I said a more obscure paper, um, something. Uh, I'll I'll find it. But he's from Chicago. I think. Yeah, exactly. And then I, you know, found who his agent was, and I was like, "Are you Jill?" And she was like, yeah. I was like, should we do this interview before the book signing or after? She's like, we'll do it before. I was like, okay. I went downstairs, got to interview him, talked to him for a while. It's on the YouTube channel. I can show it to you later. But done it before. And I also did it with Ronda Rousey. I pretended I was a cameraman. She also came to Anderson's bookshop. Is she cool? Um, yeah, she was cool. What happened I, to her? I had, stop fighting? Cr- I had a huge crush on her. She's. I mean, she's cute. I think yeah. I had a crush on her at one point. Yeah, one point. Um, yeah, then she and just I was like, it. eh, right. 
it was a phase. Yeah, because she was, she was, um, she was on top of the game. She was hot. Not to say that she's not anymore, but I feel like I don't know. It was like in the moment, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is a woman fighter. This is kind of sexy." But yeah, now she's I feel like, like now if I, I like now like I feel like it was a moment in time. Yeah, she like raises goats and stuff now, and like doesn't wear really? makeup, and she plays video games. So it's kind of just like, ugh. <laughs> is she like is she a Twitch star? Maybe I don't know. It's all right. She's more successful than me. I have to give her props. Good for her. Just for now. Yeah, for now. Yeah. God, dude. People are gonna be. I'm gonna be insufferable if if we ever get famous. I'm going to be insufferable because I've been <laughs> talking about it for so fucking long. Like. My family literally is going to not even want to know me if I get any sort of notoriety or fame because I am what? not I am not going to ever stop talking about it. And to remind people of not that they doubted me, but just like, I don't know, I'm just going to throw people's faces. You'd be like, no one believed in me. No one took me seriously. But until that point, I'm going to have to be like, I guess you're right. And then the podcast took off and uh... yeah. I am going to be insufferable. I, I I think they're secretly praying that I never get famous uh, or to have any notoriety because they're going to fucking hear about it a lot. Why? What are you going to do? Just just brag and be pompous or what? No, but I feel like there's there's more subtle ways to throw people under the bus that I'm going to do in kind of a casual fashion gradually. Just gonna, yeah. you know, as, as I have fame, like maybe at a book signing or whatever, just like, like, oh yeah, this, you know, when I name names, but this person, you know, uh, didn't believe in me or rejected me or whatever, you know, it's completely, um, you know, it's completely immature, but uh, who gives a fuck? I'm famous, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's one of the benefits of being famous. That's that honestly has never been like, um, something that I've like looked forward to or anything because it's going to happen. I mean, let's just be honest. Like, I am going to be very successful. You are going to be very successful. And I truly believe into talking things into the universe. And it's not about a bragging matter. Actually, me and my father talked about it today. Or I'm sorry, when he was here this weekend. And we were you know, I, I talk a big game, but I bet I like, I, I know I'm not going to do that. You know what well, I mean? I think there's a difference, John. So I was talking to my to my father about this this weekend. And internally, your internal dialogue is important, um, more important than like your outer dialogue. So for example, I inside, and I, I'm not, I don't want every, you know, to say I'm saying this. I know that I am special. I know that I'm very talented. I know I'm gifted and I think I am better at certain things than a lot of people. I internalize that, right? So that's one thing that's called confidence. Now, if I were to go around and say, you know, I'm better than you, you suck. I can do that way better. Now you're bragging, you're being pompous, you're being an asshole, right? So I think those two can both like can exist, but it's how it's presented. Of course, yeah, and I think you need to have that. <clears throat> you need to have that inner confidence. I would have never, I would have never performed improv and sketch comedy for years. I would have never got up on stage in front of tons of of audience members and strangers if I didn't right. really have that confidence. Of if I didn't think. That hey, I can do this. I I can do this, and I'm good at this, and I like this, and I'm going, I'm going to get good at this. Right. Like I know, even when I started out and was terrible, it wasn't good and clunky. I was like, I'm going to get good at this. It is like that important to me, mm -hmm. and I think that's what makes you keep coming back and 
wanting to get back on stage and wanting to keep trying and like, this doesn't work. All right, fine. I'll try this. Like, you know, like, Oh, I'll write a book or I'll do this. And, you know, but I think you have to have that or else you, you would quit. You would not keep doing these types of things if you didn't have that inner confidence and inner drive. And it can be frustrating too. And you can probably relate to this as you keep doing this, you're, you're looking for some sort not sort of validation, but like someone to be like, Hey, you know, and I think you got it with playmaker. I think you're like, Oh my God, it was such a great sense of feeling being like, I knew I was good at this. You know what I mean? Like I knew it. I knew my stuff was good. You know what I mean? And it doesn't always happen in the timeline at which you think it will. But I think having that confidence and just putting it out there. Um, I can't remember who it's going to be a weird reference, but uh, I was listening to Elizabeth. I think her name is Elizabeth Gilbert. The woman who wrote eat, pray, love. I Julia Roberts. no, Yes, she started the movie, but the woman who wrote it, the book was, yes, Elizabeth Gilbert. Okay. Um, Kathy Lee Gilbert. And she, and she talked about this one of her TED Talks, I think, and it was about creativity. And she was like, you, you have to do your part, which is doing the work, which is doing the creative work and being disciplined about it, you know, doing it consistently, producing material on a consistent basis, doing a weekly podcast finishing a book, doing a show, writing a spec script, whatever it may be. And this really helped me too, because I would get frustrated. I would do all these shows and work and I'd be like, what do I have to show for it? Like nothing's, you know, nothing's happening. But she was like, one, things never happen in the timeline in which you think it will. But also too, like you do the work and then you let the universe take care of itself. And if it's meant Mm -hmm. to be, it's meant to be. Timing, stars aligning. So she goes, there's so much that's not in your control like ton of it. But the thing that is in your control is your work ethic and your discipline and, and something that you have to say and doing that consistently and, and making sure that it's good and making sure that you do a good job and that's all you can do. And it, it made me feel better about why I do the things that I do and what's important to me knowing that, Hey, eventually something will happen. Um, but all I, but I'm doing my part. You know what I mean? It's like it's with uh, working out, John. If you go to the gym one day or even one week and you go and lift weights and you come home and you say, oh, my God, I'm not seeing any results. Like, I'm never going to get big. Like, this isn't working. It's not working. That's not how it works, right? It's consistency day after day after day, years, compounding interest, doing more and more every single day. That compounding interest will eventually pay off. It's the long-term goals. You're not going to see it in the short term, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was interesting. I was, um, John boy, who's another great media company. Um, I was, they posted something from 2018 and they were just like talking on their podcast and they were like, Hey, do you think we'd ever like, you know, cause I think he had done like one viral video, um, like sussing out what MLB players and managers were saying to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, they got like a lot of hits <clears throat> and he was like, yeah, eventually like, it would be cool if we could commentate on a Yankees game together, you and me. He goes, I don't think that's going to happen for a couple of years, but that would be awesome. Like that's a distinct possibility. And now they're doing it. Now they're on billboards all across New York city. Like they're, they're doing play by play commentary and broadcasting during a Yankees game. It's incredible. But they knew that they're like, no, it's not going to happen now. It might take a while, but we know our stuff is good and we know people are going to, connect with us and and uh and it happened and it was so cool to see that like 2018 
five years ago and right. where they are now. Um, but even, you know, Jimmy O'Brien, who's John boy, he, you could tell he was like, no, like it's, 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 it's a possibility. Like it's going to happen. It's just going to take a while. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he would be like, well, I wasn't so confident then, but like you watch it and he's like, no, it'll, we'll get there. And it was just really sure. cool to see. Yeah. You know what you're good. I mean, some people know what they're good at and you know, it's uh, going to pay off eventually. I mean, I have those same, and I, and I hope you have those same, um, internal thoughts as well. Like we're going to get somewhere bigger, yeah. somewhere well, bigger. I don't think we'd be doing this if we didn't think that because it's, it's, it's time, it's effort, it's research, um, you know, and it's, and it's consistent too. Right. Um, and I don't think we'd be doing it if we didn't think we were good at it, liked it. And if it wasn't an important to us too. Right. I think now as you get older too, you're like very aware of like what you're not good at. Um, I think you've had time, like we've had enough time. We're like, all right, we're clearly good at this and not this other thing. You know what I mean? As opposed to like young, like when I would see people doing, you know, like creative pursuits when they're younger, you could just spot it right away. Like, oh, wow, this person has it or this person is so off base and I don't know if they're ever going to find it. Well, I think it's also too about um, most people aren't consistent because I'll see people and they might be good at it. They're like, I'm going to be a food blogger or I'm going to be a uh, DIY YouTube channel. And like, they'll do it for a month. They'll do it for two months. And then they stop because who knows? They get busy, they get bored, whatever, but they make a big stink about it. They're like, Hey guys, like I'm starting my own fucking YouTube channel or like, I'm going to be a food blogger. And then it's like, all right, we see your food blogs. And then it like slowly tapers off after two months, never to be heard from again. Yeah. The, the, like you talked about like losing weight or exercising, like the, I did? the, for, the, for, well, yeah, you talk, well, you talk about working out. Oh, you talk about working out. Like you want to get metaphorically, metaphorically, you want to get bigger or you want to like, you know, you want to lose weight. Like the recipe is simple. Calories in calories out. You exercise and you eat healthy. That's, that's, that's the way to do it. Doing it, actually executing it is incredibly hard work, stress, time, availability for, you know, access to, to equipment, gym, you know what I mean? And the discipline to consistently do it. It's incredibly hard. There are so many factors that are are against you. Mm-hmm. So I totally get it. Great life lesson discussion by Peter and John. The more you know, people. Hey, if you uh, if you have a dream out there, go for it. Life is Jesus Christ. Life is short. My God, I think we've yeah. all understood that after the pandemic. Like, you want to do something, go for it. You know, one hundred percent. Don't give a shit what people say or think because half of those. People um, are too afraid to take a leap themselves. And then, you know, the people, the crazy, the people that are crazy enough to change the world or the people that are crazy enough, you know, to dream a dream are usually the ones that get it. Right. I think that's an Apple commercial, but I agree. Ooh, Steve Jobs. Thanks, baby. All right. Um, Let's get into it. Let's get into some sports. That was a good 27 minutes of life lessons with Peter and John. That, that, that part will go viral. No question. Um, so can we talk about the Mariners Angels brawl? Yeah, fight, fight. What are, th- what are your thoughts on that? And then I want to get in. I want to get into an aspect of of that brawl particularly and how it transpired. So, what do you? What did you think about it? It's, it started because the night before, Trout got buzzed um, near the head at like yep. 94, 95 mile an hour fastball, 
and he was quoted saying, you can pitch me inside, but if you're going to pitch inside, hit me in the ribs, don't hit me in the head. So people were pissed about it. Next day, one of their guys gets drilled and bench is clear. What are your thoughts? Um, if I were to play major league baseball and you threw at my head, I would charge the mound every fucking time. And I wouldn't care what the suspension was or the, uh, the, the money. Um, you can kill somebody. I mean, we've seen people get hit in the face. John Carlos Stanton. Uh, I mean, that's why they have that extra thing across yes. their face. Now you can fucking ruin somebody by throwing that fast at their face. The reaction time is just, just too minimal. So, if you are going to do that up and in at my head, I'm going to charge the mound and you're going to fight me every time just so you set a precedent to know, hey, if I'm going up and in, I got to fight Pete. I got to fight. I got to fight Vitaly because he's going to fucking come at me. And that's just a thing. Maybe now you'll think twice or you'll locate it a little bit better. Not a fan of getting people hit in the head. That's just wrong. No, I agree. You can't hit people in the head. There's people's lives, livelihood. They have families like 100%. But- how do you know when something's intentional? I feel like the majority of these fucking brawls start when a young pitcher who does not have control tries to pitch inside and one gets away and go hit someone in the head or goes up and in. And that's how it transpires. How do you know? Sometimes it's very clear when something's intentional. You can just look at the pitcher. But I saw that pitcher going up and in I don't think he meant to do that. I don't think that was intentional. And people lose their goddamn minds about it. Some, I think a sports, a, sports center anchor said this, and I thought it was so perfect. He, they go, baseball players have short tempers, but long memories. And like, a baseball player will remember when someone like dissed them or didn't respect them like four years ago. And then they'll see yeah. him later and be like, Oh, I remember that fucking guy. Like they just remember. And I get I it. Like I played, you played, but how do you know when something is intentional? I feel like that wasn't intentional. It was a, it was a young, it was a pitcher who didn't have great control and threw accident. tried to pitch inside. Cause you, you can't get Mike Trout out unless you go up and in you, mm. anywhere else. He's going to fucking hit it. So you have to go up and in, it buzzed the tower a bit. I'm not for hitting someone in the head if you're going to drill someone in the ribs or the butt, whatever. But it's just fucking crazy that no one ever talks about, like, was it intentional or not? And I don't think it was. I think yeah. it's a guy, young pitcher who – but, like, a young – because a young pitcher doesn't have good control, it started that whole fucking thing. Here's the thing is Mike Trout – is you know arguably the best player in baseball, right? You have that's the thing. It's, zero, it's Mike Trout. You have to protect yeah, him because he's zero, never going to say anything. That's a right, and he's not controversial. Like right. you said, very boring. All he does it's is play baseball. Yeah, and you're not going to be the guy that takes Mike Trout out in the head, hits him in the face. You would be ostracized. You would be whatever, fined or whatever. Mike Trout needs to play baseball. He's been injured enough throughout his career, so I don't think I think he's a very obviously well respected you know, as one of the best players in the game. So I don't think you're going to throw up and in at his head. You would throw up and in at other players. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think Jesse. they took exception because it was Trout. And they were like, this is not, this can't happen. And I think sure. his comments after the game, because he was like pissed about it. I think internally they're like, we got to do something about this. Yeah, I think you have a right to be pissed about it too. And then the right to uh, retaliate as well. Um, I don't like, like not retaliate retaliating by throwing at someone else's head. But yeah, if you want to plunk their, you know, best hitter or whatever, 
That's totally fine. Cause like you said, so, you gotta protect him. You have to protect I, I agree. But let me ask you this. Do you think anyone in major league baseball, knowing how hard guys throw, and I'm talking pitchers, do you think any pitchers in major league baseball try to intentionally hit people in the head? I really I don't. I really try to give them the benefit of the doubt that no one's intentionally trying to hit someone in the head. What about don't you shoulder? agree with that? Or no? What about the shoulder? All right, the shoulder. But it, but it's an unwritten rule. If you're going to hit somebody, you hit them waist down or in the ribs. I guess shoulders down. Shoulders. So down. so as a major league pitcher, you believe that they miss that much. Yes. If you're supposed to throw yes. at the waist down, yes. and they went at the head. And that's always the argument. Oh, they're major league pitchers. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Some of these guys are walking six guys a game. They can't get the ball over the plate. Some young pitchers, yes, one hundred percent. I totally think that the majority of these brawls start because someone can't locate. Also, too, if you want to hit somebody, like if you ever want to intentionally hit somebody, you make sure you have a guy in the mound who has really great control and he can do it properly. Because well, if not- you don't, this shit happens. That's why I think the thing with Trout that happened, I don't think it was intentional at you all. You know how you can get away from him. You know how you can prove that it was unintentional? Show some remorse. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Mike, I'm sorry. Pitchers never do that. And I don't well, Blake Snell why. just did that when he Blake fractured Snell, when he fractured yeah. the uh he put his hands uh, up Bryce Harper's and, hand. He was like, My bad because Harper freaked out about it. He was like, Hey, right, I didn't I didn't mean to. And Harper was just pissed and he's like, I got it, my bad. Um but how often do you see that? I don't see that very often at all. Whether they get hit, you know, it's if rare. you threw it at Trout, oh shit, Mike, I'm so sorry. My bad. Like I never see, I see him get the ball back. So, and sometimes pitchers go, my, my bad. You know, they'll say something to them. Sounds like Trout didn't get that. Right. I think that would be one way to show. I'm so sorry. I did not mean to do that. Show some kind of, you know, outward gesture. Yeah. But that was a good fight. I mean, usually when you, when they say like, it went like three clearing, different rounds. Yeah. Three going. or four rounds. And usually when you say uh, benches clearing bra, it's usually just a bunch of fucking guys huddling together and, you know, doing nothing. This was good. There were a couple good punches thrown. J.P. Crawford had a two overhand right. Um, who was it? Anthony Rendon gave a nice little stiff arm while yep. he had his cast on. Uh, Phil Nevin. So suspensions from Angels Mariners brawl, according to Jeff Basson. Phil Nevin, 10 games. Jesse Winker, 7. J.P. Crawford, Rendon, Dom Chidi, five games. Andrew Wants, Ryan Tapera, three games. Julio Rodriguez, uh, Razel <clears throat> Iglesias, Ray Montgomery, Manny Del Campo, two games. Bill Heltzman, one game. Most of those guys I don't know, except for Nevin, Winker, Crawford, Rendon. Juan was the guy who threw uh, the yeah. pitch. The one, yeah. Um, yeah. It's crazy. But I'm all for it. They showed Otani. They showed Otani like getting out of the dugout, and he was like very careful. He was yeah. just like at in in the back, like trying to. He was just like putting his hands on different guys' shoulder, but clearly like not getting into it. And his interpreter, dude, was like right behind him, like desperately trying to get him out of there um, to be like, dude, please, you're my livelihood. Do not get hurt. Yeah. I mean, as baseball being the only game in town now, unfortunately it's, I mean, that's something that's kind of good for the sport starts a little kind of buzz or, or whatever. Um, I know obviously owners don't want to see their millions and millions of dollar investments fighting, but um, 
sometimes you gotta let the boys fight, right? I mean, my I raised I was raised in a house with two boys and let them fight. Sometimes you, you certainly have to pro- you certainly have to protect your players. So like, if that was another player, I don't think they retaliate. I think it's because it's Trout and he was pissed about it and made a comment about it post game. Mm-hmm. I think they were like, "All right, we have to hit somebody." Um, <laughs> so I think that was obvious. It's so weird that baseball's like that. You know, it's such like a. Uh, what is it like a uh, passive aggressive kind of like, well, it's interesting because I was thinking about that too. And I remember Harold Reynolds saying something because um, someone said something to him like, why can't you talk trash in baseball? And his answer was perfect. And he goes, you want to know why you can't talk trash in baseball? Because the ball hurts because it really hurts. He goes, someone will hit you. He goes, you can talk all the trash you want. Like you're going to get fucking drilled and it kills. And not only that, it's, it could ruin your season. It could ruin your team's chance. Like Aaron judge gets hit on the hand and is out for three months. The Yankees are, I mean, they're still great, but like they're in deep shit. And if that yeah, happens in like Phillies. September, Phillies too with Harper, like it, that. So the reason it's like that, I think is because you, you can't, you can't talk trash because someone's going to fucking really, really injure you. And basketball, you could talk trash and get, a forearm or an elbow football. It's just the nature of the part of the game. It doesn't matter. You're, depending on your position, you're going to get hit anyway. But, but baseball, um, the ball hurts. And I was like, that's the best. That's probably the best description I've heard. And the best reason of why it has to be taken. A lot of unwritten rules, a lot of just, <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. understanding what to do and what not to do. And not a lot of talking. It's like baseball. It's like, all right, show no emotion, and then it's a fucking all-out brawl. You know, you mm. really don't see a lot in between, and I think it's because of the threat of of getting hit. And now it's totally different too, because back in the day with the NL, um, the NL rules, pitchers being hit, like you just they would just fucking plunk you. They would just yeah. throw right at you. And now it's you have to really think about it too. I think there's a lot more thought that goes into it because now. If a pitcher hits somebody, they're not. If it's the pitcher hitting them, they're going after your best player, mm-hmm. like and like Trout. Like, I don't know if I don't. I still don't think that was intentional, but they're not going to hit your number eight or nine hitter. No, they're going to hit your one through three hitters, mm-hmm. like to send a message. One hundred percent. Now that the pitchers don't bat, you can guarantee that your best hitters are going to get hit to to make a message that. Like, don't do that anymore. Or if someone pimps a home run, that's happening less and less. People are retaliating about that. I feel like we're hopefully getting past that. But yeah, I think, I, that, I I think that's the reason why. Batters are getting, yeah, have had less and less leeway and give on that. Um, and pitchers are f- kind of free to celebrate and have emotions and do their K struts and all that screaming. Ah! Yeah. Um, you know, but batters kind of, uh, it's more shamed upon, look frowned upon. Frowned upon. Yes, agreed. Um, talking a little bit <clears throat> about the Yankees. So Yankees are straight up dominating. Uh, the best record, I think, since like the 30s. Uh, we talked about it last pod, 54 and 20. They are 12 games up the, of the Red Sox, which mm-hmm. who are climbing, by the way. Let's not lose sight of that. They were, they've passed the Rays uh, and the Blue Jays for second place in the AL East. They're 42 and 32, 12 game back to the Yankees. So something to, just keep an eye on because they've definitely been playing better baseball, but they obviously are hitting home runs at an insane pace. Their pitching is incredible. Um, they're doing everything um, to like the, they're operating um, 
as best as they possibly can in every facet of the game, defense, pitching, everything. But I want to talk about Rizzo's impact on the Yankees. So Anthony Rizzo, their first baseman, came over from the Cubs. And I think this team always had a lot of talent, and I think they were missing, one, health. I think health plays a huge part of it. A lot of the guys that have been injured, like Judge and Stanton, are healthy, so it's a huge part of their success. But the winning attitude and experience – like that matters a lot. Not just, and it, it has to be from a player who's producing. So he's obviously producing and playing well. His defense is incredible. Obviously, an all-star first baseman, but his presence in the clubhouse—I feel like that was a very. The Yankees in general are a very serious, intense team, and I feel like he's really brought some levity and fun into that dugout, and I think you can see it. Um, sometimes like, a couple guys have hit home runs and they've kind of ghosted them when they've gone in the dugout. I think Carpenter's first home run as a Yankee, they ghosted him and then went over and gave him like hugs and stuff. Um, and I think that really is paying off. I think a really talented team who's finally healthy and then his leadership is defense. And then also someone who has won, who knows how to win, I think gives a team confidence, particularly in October. And I think it's really helping that team in a, in a massive way. So I was, I was, it also makes me think of this. I was listening to this podcast that Kurt Schilling used to do before he went fucking insane. He was one of my favorite pitchers growing up. Um, and he did a podcast called whatever it takes. And he had Frank Kona on. I don't even know if this podcast still exists. It's on Apple podcast. It was amazing. It was two parts. It was like Frank Kona talking for three hours. And uh-huh. it's just like, a crash course in like how to be a great manager and managing people, pitchers, bullpen, personalities, lineup. I mean, it's just incredible. You can understand why he's going to be a future Hall of Fame manager. Um, and he was talking, he was talking about the winning culture. And he said, because they were talking about the 2016 World Series against the Cubs. And he goes, I know that's why they got David Ross, because they knew they had talent and felt that Ross was the missing piece to that clubhouse, someone who maybe not a a superstar like Rizzo, but someone serviceable and good enough who would play, which is important because you can't just have someone like the jokester on the team. Like they, they have to produce, like I think baseball players, you need some credibility for that. Like, can you play? And, uh, and they said, but I think that was one of the huge reasons that Theo brought him over from the Red Sox is because it meshed well with Joe he was a great leader for the young guys and also for Lester too, to, to get Lester to come over as well, but also had that winning attitude and would bring that team along. It would give them confidence to be like, Hey, you're, you're the guy behind the play. The guy calling the game has won. He won in 13 uh, and he knows how to win and he can help you win. And Francona was like, and I think he was a massive reason on the field, but a lot of off the stuff field, is why they won the world series. He goes, he was, he goes, if they didn't, he goes, it sounds crazy, but if they don't acquire Ross, David Ross from the Red Sox, Francona said like, he's like, I don't think they would have gotten to where they've gotten and win the world series. I really, he played, he played the father, the father figure in that clubhouse. You have a bunch of young guys who all came up confidence too, giving them confidence. Like I know how to win. That's as a father, as a father, you teach them those, those things, how to win, how to act like a major league player. Not that they didn't know how to do that before, but if you think about it, John, the core players that came up Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, Addison, Russell, 
Um, those Zob- guys, Zobrist, who had won the year before, also sure. Huge, he huge was deal. acquired. I'm talking about the the talent from the farm that they brought up, or you know, in trades, things like yeah. that. Um, all came up at the same time, which is the the problem that the, the Cubs are dealing with right now, is because they never replenished that farm system. But um, all this young talent coming up, playing together, and they were successful pretty quickly. And if you read that book, the Cub way, um, they, I read it. They, they t- show you the pillars that it takes to win. We need four pillars and they showed, they go through every single player and who they were. Um, and so those young guys that had success in 14, in 15, they went to the NL, uh, NLCS against the Mets. They got fucking swept. But the series before, they played amazing. We thought we are going to go to the World Series in 15. 16, they do it. Then 17, 18, 19, they're in the playoffs. Um, so they had a lot of success with that young core group. And like you said, David Ross kind of played that father figure role. And you can see a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff Rizzo hanging on him. I'm in a glass case of emotion. And he was kind of the guy like, all right, yeah, it's fine. It's going to get worse. You just let it out. And he was kind of like that sturdy rock almost that the young guys could be like, dad, dad, we're going to do it. You know, like he just seemed like he was that, that father role figure in that clubhouse to those uh, to that young core. Yeah, went 100%. And I think that's what's happening with with the Yankees. I think Rizzo's addition to that team has – changed the persona and one has gotten a legit everyday left-handed hitter. I don't think you could say that about Gallo, um, which they desperately needed that it's ridiculous how heavy right-handed hand handed of a lineup that is for the short porch in right field. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that sense of like um, levity in the, in, in a somewhat in serious environment with the Yankees. And it doesn't seem like a very fun place to play. And I feel like he's um, allowing people to relax. And it also really helps that judge is having like, a career year, of course, yeah. in his uh, free agency year. Um, so that's obviously really helping as well. I, th- I think um, also to being a cancer survivor really helps as far as like a leadership role goes because you can overcome things in sports and in baseball, and that is great and important, but that is all on the field stuff that really doesn't mean too much in regards to fighting for your life, going through chemotherapy. Uh, uh, Rizzo and John Lester both are cancer survivors. And they really know how to fight. I mean, literally fighting for your life. He got it when he was 18 years old. And I think that really probably helped form him into the man that he is and the the values that he has and working hard and kind of all that stuff. Obviously, I don't know the guy personally, but I can only imagine going through something like that would shape you into being a great leader and and the man that he is and the player that he is today. Yeah, absolutely. He's having a huge effect uh, on the Yankees. Um, Also having effect, this is just an update from Codify. Um, via baseball savant, the most barrels in 2022. One is Aaron Judge with 50, second is Giancarlo Stanton at 37. So, no surprise there. They're pretty big gap, too. Straight up mashing the the ball, which is ridiculous. Um, speaking of mashing, uh, mashed potatoes, mashed potatoes are delicious, but I have an O'Neill Cruz alert. So, the shortstop, the rookie shortstop for the Pittsburgh Pirates who came up a few weeks ago. Uh, I just, if you could show it, I sent you the link, Pete. He hit a legit laser shot. A piss missile. Can you show it, dude? Yeah. It was, I believe, um, the launch angle was 19 Mm. degrees. And he smokes this ball uh, to a right center field. So obviously, the Pirates are a disaster. We all know that. They're not going anywhere. But uh, if you're looking um, 
if you're looking for some highlights, dude, start following O'Neill Cruz. Um, he is straight up mashing the ball. Here we go. All right, I'm going to play it. Play it. So it's, a, it's against Washington. Like inside fastball, creeps over to the other half of the plate and l- just laces it to right center field out of here. Uh, again, 19 Looks degree at his watch. Angle. Looks at his watch because it got out so fast. Pretty much. So total pimp job. 109.8 miles per hour exit velocity, 408 feet. Dude's a stud, man. Wow. Every other day. Also, he throws like 95 across the diamond, which is awesome. And he's 6'7". Um, last thing I will mention. So, Sunday Night Baseball, it's Dodgers in Atlanta against the Braves. It's this huge coronation and, and celebratory event for the reunion of Freddie Freeman coming back to Atlanta. And he cries in an interview. He cries pregame. He cries a couple more times. He cries a lot. Yeah. Several times. And I'm emotional. I'm he, emotional that too. Was a lot. And it's, it's a lot. Uh, yeah. So, so it's interesting. So, um, so after the game, they're interviewing Kershaw, uh, Clayton Kershaw. And he said, quote, it was very cool, you know, to see Freeman's reception in Atlanta. Um, he's obviously been a big contributor, contributor for our team. And I hope we're not playing second fiddle. It's a pretty special team over here, too. I think whenever he gets comfortable over here, he'll really enjoy it. It was a good night for him. Um, so a little little uh, subtle comment of like, hey, dude, you play for our, you play for the Dodgers now. Like, I'm glad you enjoyed your time in Atlanta, but this is, uh, you're landing on pretty thick. John, it's like if your wife... Um saw that her ex-boyfriend got married um, and she was like crying a lot. And you're like, okay, like, why are you sad? Like, I'm a great guy. We have a family. Like, if you're, also, you're, not with, you're not with that guy anymore. Right. Yeah. Like, that's great. You guys had memories in Atlanta. That's cool. That's fun. Now you're with the Dodgers. We're the best team in baseball, arguably, at least in the NL for yeah, sure. Um, like, yeah. Are you like, you, why are you crying so much? You should be well, that's in LA saying. now, dude. Like Atlanta is not that cool. LA. I mean, you know, but I would say the same thing too. It's just like, you look like you, he looks like he made a mistake and he realized it. That's what it looked like. He's like, I really wish I didn't leave. And we can say that now because he fired his man, his management, Excel, yeah. the company that represented him. He's now uh, represents himself. So there's obviously something that had to happen while he was there that said, hey, maybe Atlanta said, hey, man, this is what we actually offered you or he wanted you, whatever it was. No, I agree. Alex Anthopoulos, their GM, um, was really remorseful when uh, they had to let him go to the Dodgers. Like I remember listening to an interview with him, I think on the baseball tonight podcast or something, but like also really sad as well. So the, the agent must've really fucked up somewhere in the process. Cause it sounds like he did not want to leave Atlanta and his family loved it. And he loved it. Um, then why don't you stay you have more. You have enough money. Some, something, you, something should be coming out about what 
what exactly happened there because they said it was like, oh, we just had different viewpoints and went different ways, but clearly not. Something must have happened there, and hopefully the athletic or some investigative journalism reporter could like dig it up and figure. But it John, out. do you know what I'm saying? So if money is the most important thing to you, sure, go where you want to get paid, and there's some players who want that, of course. But most if most of them do. Sure, most of them of it is about and the I, money. Absolutely, and I have no problem with which that. makes but- sense. If you are that emotionally invested in the team that drafted you and the team that you played for, they would have they would have offered you what they gave Olsen. Absolutely. So why wouldn't you stay there if you were that? Hey, my family's here. Like I love it playing here. I you know I'll take a little bit less. Like you know what I mean? Like I, I don't feel bad for you. No, I don't think I don't feel bad for him either. And I think Kershaw's like, dude, like get it together, man. You know, yeah. like you play you play on our team, but but to that point. Um, what I think is that Freeman was like, I just won you a world series. I'm the arguably the best hitter in baseball. Certainly one of the tops in the NL, a left-handed bat, a good first baseman have in healthy play a lot, rarely injured, log a ton of innings, mm-hmm. um, still relatively healthy and fairly young. I expect a massive contract a massive contract and obviously the payroll in atlanta isn't nearly as big as the payroll in los angeles and i think he expected them to be like absolutely like 100 Mm percent and and i think there was i think there there was some bumps in the road that he did not expect and i don't know if it was handled correctly with his agent or management team um but i think I think he expected that. And I think when it came back to his agent, not being able to get that from Atlanta or not being able to come to terms with that, I think he was devastated. And I think mm-hmm. he's like, all right, fine. Like I want to be, I want to be a winner and I want a lot of money. <laughs> and LA's like, no problem. We're awesome. And we have tons of money. And he's like, okay, great. Guess I'm playing with you. And you get one crack at free agency. You got to make it hit. You got to make it count. So I don't sure. fault him for taking the money. Um, I wonder but, what the taxes look like. I, I think I think he was that. I think he was devastated, right? Because that's the other thing too. It's like You're playing in California. There's no is there so, no income tax? I know there's no income tax in in Florida. Is there no income tax in Georgia too? I'm not I'm not sure about that. I de- there's definitely. I mean, I lived in LA. There's definitely yeah. income tax in, in California. Yeah, so, yeah. but I think I think he had thought that they were going to give him massive contract what he in the ballpark of what he wanted, and I think he was a little bit surprised and. And kind of hurt that they weren't able uh, to do that. And maybe, maybe it was, you know, because of his agent. And we'll find that out later. But I think that's why he was so emotional. But I get what Kershaw was saying. It's like, dude, fucking like, I mean, Kershaw doesn't know. He hasn't played for any other organization. But be like, dude, you're kind of embarrassing yourself here. Right. Like you're seeing your first baseman like like a pussy. You're just like, <laughs> like he's like weeping for I, a week Here's long. the thing. Getting emotional is totally fine. But multiple times, I mean, you can't bring it up even on the field <laughs> pregame ceremony with like yeah. giving him a standing ovation. It's like, yeah, dude, he was good, but he wasn't fucking Henry Aaron. I mean, right. come on. Like he's a he's a great first baseman, but he is not. He's not Henry Aaron. He's not, you know, Chipper Jones. He's not Greg Maddox. Maybe yeah. in time he will be, but certainly not now. Curious. I don't think it warrants that. Curious to see the rest of the story because obviously there was something big that happened for him to get rid of uh, the agency that represents him. Yeah, for sure. Dude, that hat is tight. I feel like you have a cool hat every time we get on this pod. 
that's my thing, John. I fucking love hats. We talked about this, remember? I know, but like, hair, I didn't see it. But I, like, I saw a different. I saw a different hat last time. The red one is new. Yeah, it's dope. I'm excited for uh, dude. The oh, can we talk about the All Star Game hats? Great segue. You sent me oh. that as well. All Star Game hats. It yeah, would... if you want to show that on Twitter, and we'll go over the All Star hats. So the All Star hats <clears throat> um, for the All Star Game in LA in a couple weeks are pretty dope. Uh, they're like dark navy blue. It's sort of like a gray, a dark gray sort of. Um, and then the logo is like a kind of a f- like not gold, but like sort of a faded darker gold. It's pretty sweet. And then they have a star um, on the hat uh, next to the logo. Every one of them except the Blue Jays. Do you hear about that? The, the Blue, Blue Jays, Jays are not, don't have a star. The Blue Jays are not having a star on their on their hat. They've they've Why? asked to remove it. Are I don't know. Serious? They're not part of the. Yeah, I just saw that before this. They're Why? not having their hat. They'll so. do the they'll do the America one on the Fourth of July. They'll put the American flag on theirs, but they won't I put a star. I don't know. I might. I don't know. I, I understand Canada. I mean, so basically, by the way, when you go into, I have Tanner Hawk, uh, a relief pitcher for. Uh, the Red Sox and every time they go to Toronto and play, he gets on the restricted list. So they have a very strict COVID vaccine policy where if you're not vaccinated, you can't even visit uh, the Rogers center or where they, the blue Jays play. Right. Also, I think because of possible current events that have transpired last week with Supreme court. Um, I also think they want to distance themselves from that too. I think that's, I think I know I'm speculating here, but why would they remove it? Why but, now? Why just now would they? Well, they're not it? saying that they don't want to be a part. They're just saying remove the star from right. the All Star game. First of hat. all, who gives a shit? I don't think it's a big deal at all. Who cares? It's 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 a it's a star that's removed. Whatever. I'm sure people are gonna make a huge oh, deal. About I don't it. give a shit about it. I'm curious but as to the reasoning. I'm curious it, as though. to why, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think they are. I think they are not enthralled with. America's well, policies. Well, you would think then that they wouldn't want to be included on the 4th of July ones where it's all red, white, and blue and they have the fucking blue jay in the middle. That looks right. dumb. I'm I'm with you. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm speculating as to the reasoning of why they've removed the star. You know who's going to sell the most of those hats? I don't know. The Houston Astros. Why? Because it looks like it's an asterisk above their logo. Dude. Dude, someone <laughs> at New Era should should do that. Just be like, oh, whoops! I guess. Yeah. Oh, all the, every other every other hat has a star, but that one is like, oh, I guess. I'm different. sorry, I typed it. They're very close together on. I mean, on the keyboard, like, yeah. like, like I do apologize. They're very close. Yeah. That so I be, think those dude, are going to be, be so funny. Those are going to be pretty popular. I think. Dude, El Tuve, I was watching the Yankees Astros series. Mm-hmm. He's so fucking good, man. They're booing him, and then the first pitch of the game in that series, he just goes yard. Yeah, Yankees fans love to fucking boo uh, El Tuve. And he, dude, he kills them. Like, he first, kills them. He the does. first pitch of the game just crushes it to left center. Like, boom, you know? Um, it doesn't matter what Springer or any of those guys do the rest of their career. They'll never be, they'll never get away from that. Ever. It was such an insidious way to, to cheat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, do, do you think people will, won't care about that? I feel like that will follow them forever. Cole, 
I mean, Cole and Verlander probably less because they're pitchers. Even I know the spider tech, but I just think Bregman, Springer, um, Correa, Altuve, Gurriel is in, in the same league with them, but I feel like that's going to follow them forever. I, I I think time heals everything, honestly. Really? No, nobody associates. I know you said Verlander, Cole. Um, I don't think yeah. them because they're pitchers, but I think the, the worst, banging on the trash can, I mean, it really benefited hitters, obviously. The one thing, the one person is uh, Carlos Correa, and it's because of the interview that they did when they were all supposed to apologize. And Bregman had his tail between his legs and Altuve tail between his legs. But Correa was the only one that was fucking outspoken and was like, uh, if you don't know shit, like, don't talk shit. Like, if you don't have any proof, then shut your fucking mouth because you don't have any proof. He said that in an interview that they're supposed to apologize for cheating. And that's why I hate him the most because he was arrogant about it. He didn't apologize or anything like that. Dude, when I think in 17 or whatever, whenever um, I think it was the ALS in 17, when they were playing the Yankees, maybe in 19, I don't remember, but uh Altuve hit a walk-off homer off of Chapman. And it was whenever he didn't want to pull a shirt off. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Like yeah, he, he hits a walk-off home run against Chapman. Right. Chapman throws him like a face-high slider, and he crushes it to left center field. And Chapman's face was like, how the fuck did he hit that? Like He's Smiling, yeah. How, like smiling like he must have known it was coming. You know what I mean? Because everyone knew they were cheating. Um, the Yankees aren't like you know choir boys in themselves. They've had some allegations as well. So choir but, boy! But, but my point is like, where is the investigation of the buzzards? Like the buzzards under their shirt, dude. I that's what got me after he hit the home run and he's clutching his shirt, not wanting people to rip off his jersey. Like, dude, if that isn't like tacit admission that you have clearly doing something wrong, like where where is that like how is there not proof of that someone in that clubhouse someone saw buzzards someone there's someone who has proof of that i am shocked that that hasn't come out yet i can't sure. believe it well the whole thing uh john they were cheating on several different levels well here's the thing with that whole situation is they were granted what the thing that people are are pissed off is the that players they were, were granted, granted immunity, immunity right? because they wanted cooperation so they can know how this happened and how we can stop it in the future so right. instead of saying you guys are all fucked and once we find out what's going on, you guys are done. Instead of doing that, Rob Manfred was like, listen, guys, none of you are in trouble. I just want to know how you guys did it. You know what I mean? Right. And that was the, and that is what made other players take justice into their own hands. So if it's not going to be handled by the commissioner and by baseball, you're not going to reprimand these guys and this team for cheating and literally putting people out of jobs because relief pitchers are getting uh, tips pitched and, and you know getting blown up or whatever, setting back to AAA, never given another opportunity in the bigs again. Then it needs to be handled on the field next year. And they got away with it because it was 2020 and uh, there were no fans there. So they really caught a break. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally with you. I, God, but they're so good still too. Even not cheating, like, <laughs> God, they're still like that's yeah. that's what kills me too. I was like, God, they're so good. Not just, their lineup's great, their pitching's excellent. My God, they know hit the Yankees, which is incredible considering the year that they're having. Yeah, um, it's just like that's got to be the ALCS preview. 
Yankee Strauss. Like, I mean, I watched most yeah. of that series. Every game was on MLB Network, and it was, yeah, every game was great. I mean, Judge had two walk offs. It was awesome. Yeah. No, I'm with you. That's going to be an awesome series. It was Again. a great series. I was like, dude, I'm definitely ready for October. Like, this series is going to be like super intense. Yeah. I'm also getting more pumped about the Jeter documentary. I'm like, all right, I'll give it, a, I'll give it a chance. I definitely think we should do some, some pods on, on that. Uh, after that seven part series airs, we should, yeah do some breakdowns on those dude i'm i'm all about it. i'll wear my jeter shirt i don't even have any yankee attire maybe i'll get a yankee hat i'm already looking at ordering my uh my cubs all-star game hat i hate the hat i hate the mesh it's a fucking oh that's right we didn't talk about the hat so the hat yeah but the back half of the hat is a mesh like a trucker hat which why no they did it with spring training they did it with spring training and now they did it for all-star game it's dumb Just finish it i don't get it yeah it would look so clean if it was just an all-black hat oh, yeah. with the gold and the side pad. The, co- the colors, the, the contrast of the hat and the logo is just great. Like the dark gray with like the kind of the faded gold, whatever. It's just perfect. Yeah, I'm still getting a hat. Because I'll fucking be there. What's that? Yeah, I'll be there. What? Michael, Michael McDonald, Yamo, be there. Yamo, I'm going to burn this place to the ground. Yamo, but- blow this place up. So now you're going to the All-Star game. Yes, I am Holy going shit. to the All-Star game. L.A. Dude, it's going to be hot as a motherfucker, just a heads up. Oh, I'm sure. It's, dude, L.A. in the summer is no joke. It's crazy hot. But it's L.A. Up. It's amazing. I'm thinking there'll be a lot of celebrities, too. The That's the biggest at uh, Chavez Ravine. It's the biggest parking lot you've ever seen in your yeah. life. We... We went to game two of the 2017 NLCS. Justin Turner hits a walk-off home run against the Cubs. I think John Lackey's pitching in relief. In L.A., people leave very early from games. One, they show up late because of the traffic, and they leave early because of how bad the traffic is. Well, that's a playoff game. game. Yeah, that's a playoff game. It's a tie game. No one leaves the stadium. Turner hits a walk-off home run to dead center, I think, off of Lackey. Uh, in 2017 NLCS, Dodgers are up two nothing. It takes us, my wife and I, and we went. We took their, we took their parents because my wife was hosting the Cubs at her hotel. She had a Chicago connection, right. so she got to meet Madden and the team. So she's hosting them at their hotel. So we got games to games one and two of the NLCS. Took us two and a half hours to get out of the parking lot, dude. Mm-hmm. That's how big it is. It is massive because no one, there's no public transportation in LA. It is the largest parking lot you've ever seen at Dodger stadium. That's crazy. So have just like, you know, after the game's over, if you're covering it, like just chill and shoot some content in the parking lot. Cause you're not going to oh, be, yeah. get, you're not going to be able to leave anytime soon. It's going to be, I can't imagine how much traffic there's going to be and how long it's going to take you to get in and out of that stadium. Yeah. I'm going to crush a couple Dodger dogs. You should. And then like, maybe like get like a comfy chair or a tent and just like hang out. Because it's going to be a while. Yes. I will definitely bring my tent to LA. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of tents there. They'll fit right in. Yeah, right? Skid Row, right? <laughs> cool, man. Uh, dude, great epi. That was awesome. It was inspirational, educational. Inspirational, educational, um, and also um, hopefully, eh, eh. I was going to say 
entertaining. Sexy, but we don't look that great. No, let's be honest here. I was going to try to put that in there, but I couldn't. Yeah, we're not that sexy. We know what we are. We know we're not, right? That's we right. explain what we're good at. Well, that's great. That's uh, an hour and seven minutes of Peter and John for Lost in the Shuffle, episode 54. We are a weekly podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We will be back again on Tuesday. Tuesday's the day that we record this podcast. Hopefully, I can get it out tonight, too. John, any parting words? Follow your dreams, kids. Because someday you could be hosting your own podcast like this. and. Isn't that the goal? (laughs) One day you can have a microphone like this. Took us many years, but we we did get there. All right. All right, John. I will see you on Tuesday, my friend. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks for watching, guys. We will see you next time. Lost in the Shuffle. Peace.